I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm now joined by Mr. Stats, by Will, Will Warren himself. Will, good evening, sir. How are you? Doing great. I am battling the greatest affliction known to man, Mm -hmm. uh, something that has never affected any other human before, the sinus infection. Mm. So I think I'm going to sound really good on this one. So I hope your dad enjoys this ep. He's going to love it. And my dad, you know, he's a big Will Warren fan, uh, <laughs> as you found out at the wedding. I think, did, did that come up? Did, did y'all interact in that way? I think very briefly, okay. if I'm recalling. Yeah, because he's I, like, I Matt was the, also... I know it's just this time of the year. When it, so I was watching a YouTube video before bed last mm-hmm. night trying to fall asleep. And the guy I watched was like, I've got a cold, so apologies for <laughs> how I sound in this video. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, I, I think that's just basically everybody right now is... We're all day to day, so to speak. Yeah, one hundred percent. How much of it is is affecting your running? Are you going to take the couple days off, or are you going to run through it? Well, I ran through it uh, Monday through Wednesday, and then it got worse yesterday. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll see how I feel tomorrow, aka Friday, because I'm Mm -hmm. scheduled to run Friday and Saturday. But you know, if you got to push it back a day, it's whatever. It's no big deal. So. I I will say I am looking mm. forward to the return of cooler temperatures because I did not enjoy running in uh, almost 70 degrees this week. Mm. Too warm for me. Too warm for Will Warren. That's what he said. Um, will, there's not a good way to transition into this, but um, we talked, I think, last week where we were wondering like, okay, because this is being dragged out, because this is taking longer than expected, that probably means he's going to stay and be welcome back to some point. And Chris Beard is not going to be welcome back. He was let go with cause today by the University of Texas, and he is no longer the head men's basketball coach. Um, this should have happened already. Uh, this should have happened the next day after everything came out um, with what happened here. But I was surprised at this being the ultimate decision at this point in time. But look, it's the right thing, and um, I don't know. I, I was just I was surprised. What what is your immediate reaction to Chris Beard being let go as the men's basketball coach at the University of Texas? Uh, I think it's well. So there's a couple of ways you can look at it. So I think Texas <clears throat> had to make a decision at some point, one way or the other. Whether mm-hmm. it's you're you're either going to bring Chris back or you're going to fire him. Uh, or, you know, pull the whole suspended for the season thing, and then we'll reevaluate in March. I kind of thought that might be coming, Mm -hmm. um, because we've seen some similar situations like that in the past. But 
I, I think they had to pull the plug now because one, if you read the report, it appears Chris Beard does not believe he did anything wrong, which is mm. quite alarming. And two, um, you have to give Rodney Terry and the staff their audition and their mm. chance. Uh, Rodney Terry was at Fresno State for a while, and I don't think he's a bad coach by any means. But, you know, some of this is a little bit Beard and probably mostly players going through emotional and mental turmoil they just did not sign up for. But, mm. I mean, from the second Beard um, went off the grid, so to speak, uh, Texas has not played well. Their defense per Bart Torvik ranks 231st over their last six games. They're in the 300s and two-point percentage allowed. They just, they kind of look like they're going through the motions. And, you know, would making this decision right now on January 5th solve it? I don't know. We're going to have to find out. But it at least provides closure to the players. And, you know, like we've been saying, you had to make a decision eventually. You couldn't let this drag out forever. I think, you know, the charitable look at this is to say Texas took time to gather their info, wait for all of the facts uh, one way or the other to come out and make the call. And the call they decided on, I think, is one you obviously can support, which is to fire Beard for a cause. And, you know, whether or not he personally believes he did something wrong is on him. But you look at the contract and you see the section that says, you know, does something, you know, paraphrasing, does something that embarrasses the University of Texas in a public manner. And I think he more than did that, right? Mm. Yeah, and we you already saw the reaction on Twitter. It wasn't even just us. Of like Someone photoshopped the Louisville logo uh, on one of his uh, quarter zips. And you're like, man, you could just totally see. Like, I mean, I don't know if it's Kentucky. I don't know if it's Louisville. But I don't think Chris Beard is going to be unemployed for years yeah. and years uh, in, in the college game. I, I think it's going to depend on the, the legal side of it. Like, obviously, yeah. if he went to jail, I don't think he's going to be coaching anytime soon. But mm-hmm. we're we're going to guess that it's either, you know, like, no charges or, like, something reduced. Yeah. Like, some sort of settlement. Um, I would agree with you that he will be back in all likelihood coaching within two to three years. Um, Louisville is as good a guess as anything. I always like putting Liberty in the suggestion box here because you yeah. never know. Um uh, I, I don't think it would be like a Kentucky, but it's going to be one of those vulnerable. If it's going to be a high major, it's going to be Wichita. Like a, Wichita is an option. An option that I saw suggested by a um, friend of the Twitter, John Fendler, mm. uh, that actually made me stop and think was Florida State uh, after Leonard inevitably retires. Uh, because, I mean, that program has been flagging big time the last three, four years, basically ever since COVID. Uh, they have not looked right. And you, I mean, Leonard's probably near retirement or close to it. He's getting up there in age. He just and, looks incredible. So you forget how old he is. Like, he is the yeah, best looking a, man at his age. Um, yeah. I think he's 70, right? Like, Leonard Hamilton. I think. He's old. Yeah. Which um, you would never guess by looking at Leonard Hamilton. That is, yeah, he's 74. He's the best looking 74 year old man. You'll see. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, like, credit to him, he has reverse Mark Martin syndrome. Yeah. Or I guess what you would call Benjamin Button, right? I don't really mm. remember much of that movie. but Never saw um, it. Huh? I never saw it. I just saw the memes. I, I saw, like, do you, this might be a completely 
irrelevant experience but did you ever have like the cable packages where you could like flip to cinemax or whatever Mm -mm. and okay but so i would do that occasionally at my grandparents house Mm. and like there the summer of 2008 or whatever summer it was after that movie came out uh i would always catch like the same 20 minutes of benjamin button and i'd be Mm. like huh i want to watch this whole movie later and i just never did yeah so there you go. That's my story. Chris Beard, maybe you got a lot of free time, buddy. So uh, check also, it out. Also, um, college basketball teams, don't touch Chris Beard anytime soon. Like, just uh, stay away. It's it's really You're easy. You're not legally required to hire him. Is the yes. Thing. And, and it's not... I, I will say that this is fundamentally a different situation than what we just saw in college football with Hugh Freeze. Yeah. Uh, in that, I, I mean, if we're going to be honest, Chris Beard is a heck of a lot better basketball coach than... Mm. Hugh freezes as a football coach. That being said, I agree with you. I think, you know, that I would not advise touching him right now. I wouldn't advise touching him in the future. Um, At least look for attrition. And right now it doesn't seem yeah. like attrition is out there right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it doesn't seem like anybody's, you know, jumping at the bet to leave Texas at the moment yeah. now that he's officially gone. Yeah. Just don't do it. Don't do the gross stuff. Just stay away. Um, and, and I think we should probably state too is that if what has happened is public, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it didn't happen before and it wasn't made public. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. Like that's the whole thing is like, we don't know. The only thing we know is what's out there and what was out there was enough to fire with cause. And we'll see what happens in the months following. And um, if that's ultimately what happens, if he fights back on the with cause, like, I don't know, uh, this could get yeah. messy. Uh, I, I think, I think you're just going to see more lawsuits and legal issues come, come about of this, Yeah, you know, whether it's him trying to settle for part of the buyout or whatnot, but yeah, I don't think the story is close to done, unfortunately. No. Um, well, uh, that we'll see what happens ultimately, but there's again just not a great way of transitioning uh, out of this. But we had Re- really we- quickly mm-hmm. on the Texas front term. Let's remove Chris Beard from the situation. If you are, his name is Chris Del Conte. Conte. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know it's He's pronounced been there like the top. Yeah. It's pronounced like the Tottenham manager. Mm-hmm. Um, who is your first like realistic call? Like we're gonna roll out like Brad Stevens or those types, but your first call where you're like I think this guy, like has a 20% chance of coming to Texas. Jamie Dixon? That uh, I would think Jamie Dixon is really high on that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I was thinking, and I, I don't think he would do it, but I think you have to call uh, Greg McDermott, mm. I think would be a good sh- uh, shot in the dark. Eric Musselman is always going to be on these lists. I don't think he would leave Arkansas, though. Cooley? Cool, uh, it doesn't seem like the right fit, like mm. northeast to deep south. Um, Nate Oates will be rumored, but Nate Oates would not take that job. No. So, but yeah. If Nate Oates I, I, leaves Alabama, I think it's Kentucky. For the NBA. Or the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. We're, we're not there. I guess we'll see what happens with Terry. I mean, he was instrumental, I know, under Barnes and like big time recruits during that era. And obviously, he's a Rick Barnes guy. So we'll see. Maybe he's great. And mm-hmm. uh, they just keep uh, Terry on uh, for the next couple of years and see what happens. I mean, yeah. That's kind of what Texas Tech just did with Adams, and they didn't know what they were going to have in him. There was a lot of questions with his inexperience and stuff like that, but he's been great. So mm-hmm. we'll see uh, what happens. Uh, there plays out over the course of the rest of this year. But if you're a Texas basketball fan, you're like, "Wow, this could have been a Final Four team," and now we have literally no idea what to make of the rest of the season. 
It, w- it would be a coaching miracle if they made the final four. I understand yeah. that like anybody gets hot, anything can happen, but this is, and you know, through no fault of the player's own mm-hmm. is really edging in on being a serious bad vibes team. Mm-hmm. Like where it just kind of plagues it the rest of the year. And, you know, obviously I think they're one of the five most talented teams in the sport, mm-hmm. but you know, it, if if they're able to live up to that, that would be amazing. But it's it's hard to envision. I would agree. Um, someone who is playing though, like a top five team right now, the Tennessee Volunteers. Well, good basketball team, the Tennessee mm-hmm. Volunteers. Um, they everyone just expected rock fight versus Mississippi State. Like that was just everybody going in. And you know what? It wasn't. It wasn't a rock fight. It was a rock fight for one <laughs> team, uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs and Chris Chan's team, but. Uh, Tennessee opened up uh, and just immediately berated Mississippi State. This game was over very quickly, and uh, it was was wild um, to see just the offensive explosion and just seeing what this team can look like when they are compounding their uh, top two, top three defense with just electric three-point shooting that you're like, oh, my goodness, this – that was like one of those, oh, the best version of Tennessee is still a Final Four team. What did you make of Tennessee-Mississippi State? Well, on Wednesday night. I mean, that might be the single best performance a Rick Barnes team has ever put out mm. for Tennessee. Uh, I, I would say, like, I don't think Tennessee's... One, I don't think Tennessee's going to set a program record for uh, effective field goal percentage again this season. That's a pretty hard thing to pull off. But, mm. uh, and, you know you're not going to open every game on a 16 nothing run. Mm. That being said, like Tennessee still could have shot, you know, average-ish from three, like seven for 21 or eight for 21, and this still would have been a demolition mm. because, uh, and this is a great credit to the staff and to everybody who prepped for the game. Uh, I mean, Tennessee dominated Mississippi State in the paint and at the rim. I mean, it was not close. And this was a game where, you know, obviously, I think we, we've kind of figured out now Mississippi State's offense is really bad, mm. but their defense on the right night is so good that they're going to have a chance to stay in those type of rock fight games. Like mm. when they play Arkansas, for example, I think they're going to have a really good shot at winning that game hmm. just because that's the rock fights. It's a, it's a stylistic game that will benefit them. But in this one where it's just Tennessee immediately knew Tolu Smith is the only guy in that roster that's going to be able to get to the rim like efficiently and when you have if, if you don't have a backup option against tennessee you're going to have a bad time uh, i think we've seen that pretty well the only teams that have really gotten tennessee either had like quick jittery guards who could like score at all three levels like kj simpson colorado or boogie ellis for mm. uh, usc or they were completely dominant in the post before and after the game like arizona mm. not many of those teams exist i mean tennessee's yeah. shown a level of adjustment like I mean, them shutting Kansas down the way they did was really impressive. And Mississippi State's offense is very bad, but scoring the way they did on their defense is incredibly impressive. I I mean, I'm blown away by 24 for 31 on twos. That's also a program record over the last two decades. So uh, I I think this is the best game Tennessee can possibly play, which is not a bad thing to say. I mean, it's going to be hard for (laughs) any team to top that against like a NCAA tournament level opponent this season. I also but, think it's funny with uh, the sh- like the free throws, you know, Tennessee fans are going to be upset all year long where like any close game, you saw it in the Arizona game uh, on mm-hmm. the road where it's like that we were, we're just getting killed in free throw attempts. So clearly they're something out of whack. Tennessee just 
only shot three free throws in this game. And when you watch a game like that, you're like, it wasn't like the they were missing a lot. of. It was just a lot yeah. of jump shooting. And it's just the way Tennessee plays, I don't think they're ever going to be a high free throw attempt team. I, they just don't play like that. I think they can be. It's it's opponent dependent, right? Mm. Like I, I think Jan's defenses have always been really good at not fouling. Mm. And while I think they towed the line pretty hard in a few <laughs> a few offenses, mm. um, I mean, I largely thought the game was correctly officiated. I didn't have any huge issues with most of it. Mm. Um, but I mean, it's the same team that you know got a lot of free throw attempts against Butler in USC and Colorado. Um, the Arizona game's the Arizona game. But, like, you know, Ole Miss, I think they attempted 25 or 26 free throw attempts against. It's just going to be dependent on who they're playing at a given time. So, yeah. and, you know, in that regard, I'm really interested to see them play some other teams as this SEC season rolls on. You know, how are they going to get the whistle against Kentucky, for example? Uh, both home and away will be an intriguing watch. Yeah, um, it will be intriguing, and it's also, I just realized that the South Carolina game was not at home. I was like, oh, I might go on Saturday, and I was like, oh, this is not a not a home game, and the South Carolina team is awful. The, the, the exceptionally rare uh, SEC Road Quadrant 4 conference game. Yeah. Is, uh, South Carolina is currently, I think, 254th in the net, which is uh, not really what you're looking for. Man. Yeah, the, not not the best start uh, to uh, the new coaching regime uh, down there in Columbia. Um, Will, your favorite, the death of March Madness. If only mm. the March Madness uh, tournament could expand. Uh, there was a really good tweet about like, if only there was a tournament, a national invitational tournament that could house a lot of those teams that do not just, uh, just don't qualify for <laughs> the big dance. If only there was a tournament that uh, brought those folks into the fold. Um, I don't, it seems like, uh, I think I was reading today in CBS Sports, uh, Matt Norlander was talking about like, he doesn't think it's going to happen or if there is expansion, it's just going to be a little bit, but it is scary nonetheless that this is still popping up and that's the recommendation is that like, what if you just expanded this to 160 teams, uh, Will Warren? (laughs) I I think I'd drive my car into a bridge if they did that. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I, I am on Norlander's side, and I think, you know, Norlander is extraordinarily well-connected in the college mm. hoops world. And if he's saying it's very unlikely to happen, I would trust him. Other thing to remember, current TV contract, and obviously this can be blown up at any time. We just watched the Big Ten do it. Mm. Um, the current TV contract runs through 2032. Mm. And making any changes and getting out of that before then is going to be quite tough. Um, so, and, and I think there is an argument for expansion if and only if your argument includes getting more, you know, mid-major or low-major teams in the field. I think, you know, collectively, I would say that we're good on the idea of more, like, more teams that are like 17 and 15 or 18 and 16 or uh, basically what Oklahoma is going to do in the Big 12 this year. Mm-hmm. I think we're collectively good on seeing more of those. But if you, I mean... Let's ponder the very realistic scenario that Oral Roberts, for example, who I mm-hmm. think is now top 50 in Ken Palm, mm. uh, loses their conference tournament. Oral Roberts probably doesn't have a good non-conference resume to match up and get an at-large. Mm-hmm. If they expanded to 72 and they're like, okay, these four spots are exclusively for regular season conference champions that lost their conference tournament, then I think I'd be okay with it. Mm. 
anything beyond that is pretty hard to sell on me. John Gassaway, or apparently Gossaway, which blows my mind. That was not how I expected it. But I heard it on Three Man Weave. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so he had a great article about, you know, here's the case for 80. Mm-hmm. And Ken Palm has been on the same side of that, of the case for 80. And I get it. You know, when they first expanded to 64 and then 68, there were a lot fewer Division One teams. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping up with the times, you know, from then to now, you would have a 90-team field or whatever. Mm-hmm. But... You're not going to convince Barbara and accounting to fill out a 90-team bracket. You're not going to really draw more eyeballs to, again, for example, like Oklahoma versus, shit, I don't know, St. Peter's. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, that's not really going to drive people to, I mean, it's more money is what the bottom line here is, but I, I don't think it's going to be better basketball. So you can lose me on the expansion talk unless it really is like we're going to do more to make sure that these teams that we'd rather see in the field aside from you know 19 and 15 big 10 team of the year uh, actually do get in yeah but again you could just do that if you're the committee mm-hmm. just just do it already florida atlantic loses their conference tournament big whoop let's put florida atlantic in the field mm-hmm uh marshall doesn't manage to win the Sun Belt. that's okay let's put marshall in the field over michigan state or whoever just do that and then you don't have to expand the field you have the power um speaking of teams who have the power the power to beat the university of virginia which we very much applaud on this program each and every week will pitt out of nowhere, beats UVA. What did you make of this? I can't be on board with the UVA slander because I have synergy access thanks to somebody at UVA. Mm. So uh, I can't share. Conflict name, of interest, Will. Yeah, conflict of interest. And I have the College of Charleston sweater on today, and mm-hmm. I forgot to mention them in the little mid-major bit. But mm-hmm. we got to give credit to a uh, guy we have never doubted once, Jeff Capel, Cape yeah. Capel, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like I've watched much pit basketball. Um, it's one I of those things, I, even if you hear someone else say it, you're like, I don't know if they're saying it right, and they're just going with it. You don't really know. You're never 100% certain. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I and everyone else left these guys for dead a long time ago. I, mm-hmm. I can't remember precisely what they entered in the ACC preseason poll, but I'm pretty sure they are somewhere around 13th, 14th. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously this was not expected. Um, They've had a pair of wins age really well. Like they beat Northwestern by 29. And at the time I was like, okay, whatever. But Northwestern kind of looks like they might contend for a bubble spot. Uh, They beat NC State on the road and NC State looks pretty good. And we'll get to them later. Mm. Uh, They play in a God awful ACC, Mm. which helps. Um, And they're 4-0, which also helps. Um, A problem for them is that there's not a single obvious great team in the conference. Virginia probably comes closest, and anytime you beat the likely best team in the conference, that's great. Um, your best team in the conference being the, I don't know, what would you say, like 16th, 17th best team in America? Probably not great for a lot of at-large bid contention, but the good news for Pittsburgh is that every media member loves the ACC, so not a big deal, uh, and they'll get in. Um, I'm joking, but not really. Torvik and Ken Palm both project these guys to go 14 and 6 in the ACC. Um, and as insane as that sounds, it's not an unreasonable ask. Hmm. I think we've gone over this is a bad ACC, has Lemetrics, has that as the seventh best conference in America behind the Mountain West. Uh, Ken Palm has them sixth. 
I haven't seen a site that has them higher than fifth. It's not a good conference. Um, but that's helpful for Pitt because they're going to rack up a lot of wins. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them regress a little bit. Uh, shot quality's data suggests that they're due some serious regression on defensive three-point percentage in particular. Mm. But it's not like they're riding a, wave, riding a wave of close wins like Miami or Providence last year. Uh, I mean, if the tournament started today, they're probably like a 10 seed. Mm. And given what we thought was going to be on the table for them, and given that we frankly figured Capel might not have a job at this point in the season, uh, this is a huge accomplishment. I mean, this is a, this is a literal job-saving season for him. Um, speaking of job-saving season, Will, NC State, another head coach who we thought coming to the year was on the hot seat a little bit. They crush Duke uh, yesterday. And Duke, man, I I had Jay Billis on last week, and he's still pretty optimistic that things are going to be okay, and we, like, we'll see what happens with the freshmen. That's the main thing is everyone's just waiting on the talent to just come through. But they get blown out by nc state and we're at a point now will i mean where do they seem like seeding wise to you i i don't think they're in danger of missing the tournament but i think they're in danger of not being able to get back into a high seed territory where it's like are they looking like a six seed to you or are they i don't know where are you at with duke based on what we saw from nc state and just where they are as a program in early january uh uh Again, another coach we left for dead who appears to mm. have figured it out. It really helps when you have Turquavian Smith on your roster, mm-hmm. uh, uh, who's seemingly trending, I think, towards the lottery, which feels right. He's very good. Mm. Um, I don't think they're positioned quite as well as Pitt is to fight for the ACC title. Their schedule is quite a bit tougher. Like I, I looked at Pitt today, and I was frankly taken aback at how favorable it is for them. They're only underdogs in four games the rest of the way. Um, NC State, though, a little tougher. But they, you know, they've had some good results. Uh, they're trending towards making the field of 68. Mm. Um, I, I honestly think this result does say more about Duke. Hmm. Um, there's still a chance they developed what they could be because uh, they are an extremely young team. Like, you know, you have the three big freshmen, Lively, Filipowski, uh, Whitehead. And aside from Filipowski, none of them have really played as much as you would have expected. I mean, the the most count onable player, if that's a word, which it isn't, is Northwestern transfer Ryan Young, who plays about mm-hmm. 21 minutes a game. Um, but their defense really sucks uh, yeah. as of late. Um, Speaking of Northwestern, who would have thought uh, losing him and then they become a top 10 defense in college basketball this year? Yeah, well, not even just losing him, losing Pete Nance too, yeah. to UNC, and they got better somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another guy who we left for dead who's doing pretty well. But... Um, when Derek Lively's not on the court for Duke, their rim protection really takes a nosedive. Uh, he's been battling some injuries and some off the court, you know, problems lately. Uh, most again, mostly just like physical stuff. Uh, but it's been alarming that he's played a total of 25 minutes in their last three games. Don't think it's a coincidence that Torvik uh, rates those three games as three of their four worst defensive outings of the season. Uh, but it's a compounding issue because they can't play Lively and Ryan Young together. Neither one is a shooter. Both play the same position. Like, could you occasionally play multiple non-shooters? Like, it's possible, but it's kind of got to be like the Travion Williams, Zach Eady situation where both are so overpowering, it's not going to matter how slow they are. Mm. Uh, and that's a real tough thing because 
Lively is the best impact guy they've got on D, while Young is much better than Lively on offense right now. So I, I don't know what the solution is. I think that they are still capable of working their way up to being, you know, like Ken Palm has them 23rd right now, and that kind of feels right for where they're mm-hmm. at. Um, I think they're capable of kind of getting into that like six, seven seed range. Um, but I, I mean, one underwhelming result given what we'd kind of hope to see them produce this year. And two, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it reminds me of what, you know, Jamie and Christian said when we did the pod together, no coach leaves when they think the next roster is going to be really good. So yeah, he wasn't wrong. Um, but again, you know, you want to keep some perspective because I'd like to remind you of a ACC team in North Carolina that was 11 and four and two and two in ACC play at this time last year. And it was the university of North Carolina. Mm. <laughs> so completely different situation, obviously, but you know, long season, a lot of time left and we'll see if they can get it together. Up North in the Northeast, the Dunkin' Donuts bowl, um, will Warren, Mr. Cooley and his Providence Friars take care of the Yukon Huskies in another surprise result this week. There were a lot of different surprise results um, in the middle of this week. Uh, but what did you see from Providence and how they beat Yukon? And uh, does this say more about Providence or Yukon coming out of it? Hmm. So uh, Wednesday was like a great day for uh, like personal enemies going down because you saw mm. like, yeah, you know, UConn, not a personal enemy of me necessarily, but I was just kind of ready for them to regress a little bit. So mm. UConn lose, Duke lost, um, Auburn lost. You really mm-hmm. didn't see Katie Johnson take the L. Uh, Miami taking a step back, Florida taking a step back. But yeah, I mean, the big one is Providence beating UConn. Uh, here's a take that I'm sure will not annoy or anger the famously normal Providence fan base in any way. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year's team is better than last year's. Hmm. Uh, they're not going to win as many games because no one is going to go 16-2 and two or whatever in coin flip games again. Um, but the results are more sustainable. You're not having to let fart your way through every single little game. Uh, the offensive shot quality is much better. Mm-hmm. They are a lot more threatening on the boards, and they get fouled a ton. Um, they don't really shoot, <laughs> so to speak. They're not really... That's not really their forte. They don't have much in the way of jump shooting. They mm. shoot it okay, like percentage-wise. They're 126 in three-point percentage, but uh, they ranked, I think, in the second or third percentile on synergy in a percentage of offensive possessions ending with a jumper. So not mm. not like something they like to do. Um, so I don't really think they're going to go that far in March because it's not their forte, but they're going to be a tough out in Big East play. Cooley is a really good coach. He's overachieved yet again. Uh, I think I want to see him get a bigger be... job. Like I'm not saying that's not to discount yeah. Providence, but I want to see him at a bigger job to see how he would fare. See, I, I kind of, yeah, I do too. And he is only 53. You would have expected yeah. older. So I, I don't think it would be Texas. I think you know, given that he was born in Providence, it's going to take a lot to pull him away. Mm. But you know, if another Big East job opens, or say a really good Big Ten job opens, yeah then that would be something to watch. Maybe ACC too, but uh, I mean, having a hard time kind of pinpointing an ACC job that's going to open soon that's objectively better than Providence. Yeah, um, we'll see. Big Ten, nothing really stands out either as of uh, right now. I've, I've, always, I've always got my eye on Fran. Fran could do something mm-hmm. at any time to really screw it up. Uh, but would the, you leave Providence for Iowa? Uh, the Brad Underwood vibes don't look very good either. That seems no. like a bad situation. 
Uh, no, I talked to Will Each, uh, noted uh, Illinois alum today about the the basketball. Not not feeling good. No one about is feeling good about the Illini right now. They, that's a that is an all time bad vibes team. Yeah. Uh, but topically, yeah, I mean Providence. I I feel like if I'm a ten or a nine seed, I'm not going to be happy if they're my seven or eight. Mm. You're just kind of like, man, I really wish we could have gotten X or Y or whoever, just because you know when the lights go on and when I mean it already counts now, but when it really counts, Cooley is just a great prep guy. It's just yeah. on his players to execute. I like Cooley, man. I just want to see him get a bigger job. We'll see if that happens, or he's maybe just good. He likes being at Providence and. Maybe they have a deep playoff run, uh, tournament run one year. Um, how good can TCU be? Uh, before we get into our stats, they caught your eye this week, Will. Um, like we said, TCU, another good week for them. They're, uh, I think, 17th uh, in the rankings in the AP poll this week. Um, there's questions. Like, the Big 12 is obviously an extremely deep conference, but you were pretty optimistic about them coming into the year. Um, how good can they be? Could they end up being uh, one of the two best teams in the conference? Are you seeing enough, or where are you at with the the frogs? Everything's coming up, horn frogs right now. Yeah, don't uh, don't tell me about it. I already know. Um, oh, I forgot about that. I'm sorry, I forgot about the Michigan okay. part. Of it was your, only yeah. what. Well, the before we get into that, uh, one of the three potential playoff opponents to lose to far and away the least offensive. Hmm. Very very cool team. Two. Uh, Hard to be mad when it's one of the greatest uh, postseason games ever played. You know, so could yeah. be worse. Anyway, TCU. Good sport, hoops. Will Warren. Uh, I try to be. As long as Jim comes back, we're good. But anyway. Do you yell during games? Sidebar. I wonder what you, you're just one of my no. friends who I'm like, I don't know what a yell from Will Warren would sound like, but I'm trying to think of something that would catch me more off guard than a Will Warren yell. Extremely rare. It, it it almost always is officiating related, like mm-hmm. a very bad call. But I didn't yell like over the missed targeting or anything. I was just kind of like, well, whatever. Yeah. I, there wasn't, I, I will, I would say I can like involuntarily yelp a little bit, like okay. after a very, very good play, like, yeah. a, like a quality alley-oop. It's like an involuntary, oh, or something like that. Oh, I that. definitely yelped and shot up without even feeling it when Tennessee beat Alabama. Like that was yeah, one yeah, of those yeah. where like it, another part of me took over that I did not know existed. Yeah. I, you got to hit him with the Ronaldo uh, celebration mm-hmm. in the, uh, the corner of the room as you kick the imaginary corner flag. But, yeah. There you go. Uh, uh, objective uh, supposedly this segment's about tcu basketball so, um, yeah, hey, uh, uh, what's, speaking, what's really yeah. interesting we i don't know if we've ever had a case like them in the last decade mm. where their first three games were so unbelievably bad and mm. you know one of them they're lucky that northwestern state appears to be potentially the best team in the southland but not likely mm. it seems like it's going to be nickels in that league but Northwestern is a lot better than anticipated. Yeah. So that loss is not quite as horrible. But, I mean, if the season ended a day, they would have lost at home to the number 230 team, uh, Torvik. Mm. Never a good loss to take. I mean, it's usually a killer for at-large purposes. I mean, uh, I think it was 2018-19 was, like, what I was considering the last normal season, the last time I was looking into this. And mm. only one of the top 40 net teams had a quad four loss. Hmm. But only, I mean, very few of the top 40 teams are looking as good as TCU is. I mean, 
So over their last 10 games, and I actually think this is a legitimate stat because, you know, Miles was out for the first three, Miller's out for the first three, mm. Damian Baugh missed some time, Eddie Lampkin has missed a game. They haven't had many games where they've had a fully healthy roster. Mm. Uh, and so that being said, last 10 games, uh, efficiency-wise, they're the ninth best team in America. And I don't think that anybody is going to take down Kansas for the Big 12 title this year. I think Kansas is just a crucial step ahead. Mm. But if you said that TCU is going to be number two in the conference, it would not surprise me. And, I mean, they're going to have a real lane to do it because the Big 12 is such an insane conference that you could go 10 and 8 and mm. you might finish third. Like, I mean, somebody is going to have to coin flip their way to 12 and 6 to finish mm. second or even 13 and 5 to tie with Kansas. I, I honestly think if Kansas gets to 13, they might win it outright, which is wild to say. But... It's such a monstrous top-to-bottom conference that TCU absolutely could finish second or TCU absolutely could finish eighth. Like mm. You're just not going to know until the end of the season. But I'm back, I'm in on these guys. I think the analytics are underrating them a little bit because of those first three games. Can you, can you excuse those performances behind the absences? I still say no. I think those are three atrocious performances to start the year and embarrassing ones top-to-bottom. But that being said, you know, under full health, they've looked a lot better. Uh, they need more shooting. I don't know if that's going to come. They don't really you, – you can go like six possessions without seeing a single TCU jump shot, which is wild in 2023. But they don't turn the ball over. They get a ton of shots off because they get a ton of rebounds and free throws. I don't know, man. I like these guys. I, I don't know if – it's going to be weird if they finish like – they they might go like eleven and seven and still only get a six seed because of how bad that loss is. Mm. But I'm excited to see what unfolds for them. We wrap as we always do on this very program, Will, uh, with your stat of the week. What is your your stat of the week uh, in college basketball, sir? You got to stick with the Big Twelve because this mm. is the conference of the year. Um, and I I cannot actually take credit for this. I I don't remember who had it. It could have yeah. been Brian Ralph, maybe is my best guess. But I'm I you never know. Um. So Oklahoma, worst team in the Big Twelve this year. Um. Let's get an exact Ken Palm ranking for them at mm-hmm. this moment in human history. They are thirty seventh. Would you like to guess how many of the remaining thirty one conferences they would be rated as the number one team in? No idea. 23 of wow. the other 31. Huh. That is how deep the Big 12 is. I mean, I don't think we've ever seen a league like this, frankly. And it, well, it that's what they're trying to build. Brett Yormchik, the new uh, former NBA executive who's now running the Big 12, like that's what their goal is. Like they're building yeah. the Big 12, the college basketball superpower. Now, I, I think Kansas is the only title contender in that conference, to be honest. But. It also doesn't, and they mm. might only be the only Final Four contender now that the Texas situation appears to be resolving itself. Yeah. But that being said, I mean, this, if you get to the Big 12 title game and your name isn't Kansas, they probably should give you a Purple Heart. Like, yeah. you should get some sort of war medal for getting out. And of Houston's this. not even here yet. Yeah. Houston's not even there. Memphis isn't even there. I mean, like, it's going to get worse. Well, Memphis will be a little bit longer, but next year Houston will be in there. UCF will be in there. Um, and poor UCF. Uh, yeah, they're, they're... <laughs> they're going to get a. Uh, UCF is actually good this year, but it, this is the crazy thing. UCF is fiftieth in Ken Palm right now, third best in the AAC, 
they would be dead last by a wide margin in the Big 12, and they're a top 50 team. That's wild. And, I mean, you're just not going to sniff. It's kind of like the Maryland when Maryland joined the Big Ten in football. It was like you got the contract, but you signed the death warrant for your program where you're like, you're never getting out of the East, but now the divisions are going away, so maybe they have a little bit of a better shot. But, like, you knew when you left the ACC, titles and playoffs and everything else was was gone. You were punting You've on You signed that. up for a ceiling of yes. uh, eight and four. Right. You really love going eight and four. Yeah, that's the ceiling. And that's what the money is for. Don Draper's voice. That's what the money is for. Um, yeah. It's like UCF's got the money now, and they have signed up for a ceiling of 10 and 8 in the yeah. in the Big 12. Yeah, I just don't think there's a path. They're, they're screwed. Um, but maybe they'll be okay in football. Uh, Will Warren, statsbywill.substack.com. Go subscribe today if you have not already done so. Anything else you'd like to uh, plug as we wrap up here this evening? Uh, if you're an SEC fan, I'm doing a weekly series called SEC Weekly, a very creative name. <laughs> Dropped the first one today with some power rankings of the conference. Uh, spoiler, Tennessee and Alabama, is the top, those are the top two. Mm. Uh, I think a clear top two, frankly. Um, Kentucky, you can make a case that they're the sixth best team in the conference. You could also make a case for Auburn being number six, which is a little wild to say. Uh, so go check that out. Tennessee fans, you know that I do previews of every game and a bunch of articles uh probably workshopping some other ncaa stuff as the season goes along obviously as we get close to march and get past the super bowl uh the uh, ncaa tournament content ramps up but for the meantime it's for the true sickos for the true college basketball heads uh we'll be getting into a lot of good stuff here soon there you go will always a pleasure my friend and i will talk to you next week thanks for having me on This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.